We are two friends trying to gain perspective on the remarkable world around us. I'm Jet Jones. I'm Mackenzie DeMaio. And this is Friends Fascinated. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to review and subscribe. Today, we're going to deep dive into fraternities and sororities. This week's fascinating fact comes from Russ Bashaw, uh, and he says, if you go south from Detroit in the USA, you end up in Canada. Which makes no sense, but also I guess I kind of knew yes. that Canada dipped down into the US a little bit. Kind of does a little bit of wrapping around, but it's weird to think that any part of Canada could be south mm-hmm. of the USA. Yeah, that's crazy. So I've never been to Canada or Detroit. <laughs> yes, same. Well... I've been to Canada, but not the middle of Canada anywhere, which yeah. makes you wonder what the Midwest of Canada would be like. Weird. It'd be like <laughs> the Mid-Southwest, though. Yeah. Weird. I don't know if people live in the Midwest, like the upper part. Oh, yeah. Good point. Cause it's they're probably south is, really cold. <laughs> their south is our upper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird, except sometimes not. But not always. Woo-woo. So thank you, Russ, Thanks, for Russ. contributing. Every episode, we'll pick one fascinating fact to be read at the beginning of each episode. All you need to do to participate is email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram. If we pick your fact, we'll read it on our next episode and give you a shout out. We'll also mail you a sticker for participating. We look forward to your submissions. Today, we are recording on April 10th. So we just wanted to give a brief update on how things are going over the past week or so. Um, so we are both still working from home. Um, I think, at least for me, it was the week I've worked the most from home. It made the week feel really weird and it didn't feel like today was Friday, but it is. And that's good. Yeah. I worked from home for 11 days straight without mm-hmm. going to the office at all. That's bizarre. I know. It's I, I think the most weird. I've gone is four days without going into the office, which... Like, I didn't think I would miss going into work, but I do. And I actually really like going in and, like, seeing people I know. I miss the routine. It's, like, way too comfortable at home. It's, Mm -hmm. like, it's better to be – it feels – I don't know. It just feels nice and more more comfortable at work. Although I have gotten to work outside a little bit here and there, and it's been to die for. I sunburnt my wrists. (laughs) It's because you're a big baby. Yeah. But it was still nice. (laughs) That was on like a 60 degree day too, so. Yeah, I have not cool. gotten sunburned, but I've eaten lunch outside the last couple of days and I've sat outside and just embraced the nice weather, so yeah. hopefully so, it stays. <laughs> it's nice to experience the quarantine a little bit while there's some good weather because mm-hmm. for a while it was, feel- it was feeling pretty... It was rainy, gloomy. <laughs> gloomy with yeah. all that rain and clouds and yeah. it was just barely cold enough where you'd be like can I go outside or am I going to be miserable type of thing so it's It's bittersweet because it's nice to be inside when it's rainy and dreary and not have to go anywhere but at the same time then you really don't get any fresh air and that's not great yep but I will say I did see a lot more people out and about this week Mm -hmm. which maybe isn't a good thing I mean if they're distancing should be fine they weren't but it's hard because like you never know if people like already live together and stuff but sometimes it's like okay you guys are all strangers at a stoplight or a crosswalk and you're not doing the thing, but yeah, eh, it, it is what it is. Yeah, it's a weird time. Plus, yep. just to add some perspective, we are from a smaller town and we have like a way, 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 way fewer cases. And we've people... had 12 confirmed cases, yeah. I heard. Yeah, so not too many. And a lot of the people, I don't think we've had any deaths. It's just no, people no. recovering from it. So 
it's good that we're all practicing, but I don't think it's quite as scary yeah. where we're from. We're just all trying to be as smart about it as possible without like panicking too much. But yeah. definitely everybody's like, like we said, we're working from home and trying to stay as safe as possible. But yep. we just wanted to update you guys because we know it's a weird time and I feel like it's nice to kind of record where we're at with all of this. Yeah, I think it's probably... I, I know I like hearing where people are at and what's going on in their area, so I, yeah. I hope it's nice. But this week, we have an extra fun and interesting topic <laughs> to discuss. Yeah, because if you remember from last week, we recorded the Bohemian Grove episode, and we kind of, there were a lot of conspiracies tied to it, but mainly our deduction after all that research and just reading about it was, it just seemed like a big old frat in the middle of the woods. We're like, you know what? We actually have a closer insight to actual fraternities and sororities. Yep. We were adjacent to them in college life. Yes. We heard stories. Yeah. And we live in basically a sister city college town area. So we live near we live near Pullman and we live near Moscow. And those are Mm. both um, college towns that house University of Idaho and Washington State University and so there are tons of Greek people all yeah. over the place and you hear about frats and sororities mm-hmm. and and I would imagine just being in such small towns like it gives people something to do oh because I know not not all colleges have sororities and fraternities or any type of Greek yep. life my sister-in-law goes to a college that doesn't have a Greek system mm-hmm. which like, I think it's actually pretty cool and could be really nice. It yeah. depends on what you're interested in. But I know, like, a lot of people are very involved in Greek life here. And yeah. it's a big part of their identity, especially in college. But I know people that graduated and still talk about their Greek life days and yeah. stuff. So Yeah. And my introduction to it actually came before I even came up to the University of Idaho at all because... Um, where I came from, which is near the Boise Valley, which is about six hours away from the U of I campus, everybody labeled it as a party school, and it was mm-hmm. because it had such an active Greek row, which Greek row <laughs> just means basically a street where there's tons of Greek houses or yeah. sorority and fraternity houses. Um, and turns out, I mean... I wasn't a traditional student. I came up to school with a very serious fiance. <laughs> and well, I so, mean, you were traditional at first. Well, yeah. Like, except for the getting married during college part, you were traditional. Yeah, but I think, honestly, after... So, my husband and I both came up to the University of Idaho together, and we were fiancés at the time, and he toured... Oh, that's true. I guess you were engaged. I yeah. forgot about that. yeah. And he toured fraternities and I toured sororities um, Hmm. because, frankly, I think I was even more interested than he was in the beginning to just, like, get a full view of what was Hmm. going on. And I would argue it was mainly curiosity because I'm like, what is all this about? When I get a peek into what a sorority house would be and that kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, And the first time I ever toured the University of Idaho campus – I went with three of my best friends from high school. My mom took us all up to the campus to look at it together, and they were doing, like, a, a Greek life or sorority tours. Mm-hmm. And so we went on these tours, and actually one of my best friends at the time, she her brother was in a fraternity at University of Idaho, oh. and he had either a year left or was just about to graduate when we were touring. So they wouldn't be in college at the same time, but she knew what happened at least <laughs> what her brother told her about was oh, happening geez. in the frats and so it's actually funny because she didn't really have much of a filter like she's not one to kind of beat around the bush I guess she 
when we were on one of the tours <laughs> at the very, very end. So mind you, I'm with my mom and three of my friends. And at the end of the tour, she kind of like, I, I wouldn't say like pulls her aside, but like kind of waits till we're a little bit more alone with her. And like, I want to, I mean, so the sororities are huge mansions full of like yeah. these different rooms where people stay, but there's mm-hmm. also like big kitchens and fancy like group bathrooms and all sorts of things. And at the end of the tour, we were in one of the bathrooms, I think, and I think we were a little bit of ahead of the other group who was touring. And my friend leaned over to this, and I'm pretty sure she was like, I don't know what you would call it, just like one of the main upper older people in yeah, the sorority. Upper like classmen. Yeah. And the my friend goes, what can you really tell us about <laughs> what goes on in the sorority? And she's like, you know, I don't really know what you're what you're trying to ask me, but what I can tell <laughs> you is that all sororities on this campus are dry, which means they don't serve alcohol and they don't have it on premises they used to i had a professor who he's basically taught at the university of idaho since he graduated and he was in a fraternity and he has explained that there used to be bars in all of the yeah houses which i didn't realize before and i think that's true for the frats but not the sororities Mm. which again already we're opening up topics about uh gender and sex and if (laughs) That should determine whether you're dry or not on campus. But she basically very awkwardly basically didn't answer her question at all because my mom was with us at the time. And I I think I was more in tune with the social cues. Like my friend was a little bit younger. And so she – I feel like she had heard all the stories from her brother. And so she felt like she had like the inside scoop. Mm -hmm. But she didn't realize it was super inappropriate like in front of parents to be like, so how drunk do y'all get on Fridays (laughs) type of thing. And basically she deflected the question. And that's kind of – that was my turn off moment for the Mm -hmm. whole process. I was like, you know – my friend may have not known to, like, not ask you guys this during, like, the formal tours. But also, yeah. it just left a weird taste in my mouth that you could tell she was being kind of dishonest about yeah. her answer or just deflecting because there were parents around. And it was just, yeah. like, to me, there was something kind of eerie about it. And so it was so secretive that I was just like, nah, not really for me. And at the time... My husband was over touring the frat houses, and I think they might be a little bit more aggressive with their recruiting. And Dakota, my husband, was pretty interested. I can't remember which frat it was, was pretty interested in joining one. And he actually stayed the night in a frat house. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember which one, but I think they like ate pizza and played like water or beer pong because he was underage. So I think they kept it pretty PG. Hmm. Like he had nothing really big to report. Yeah. Um, And I think... They keep it that way, especially because I think it was during, I think they call it Vandal Friday, which is mainly for juniors in high school. Okay. And so, like, it would have been, yes, it would have been very inappropriate for them to get a whole bunch of underage people who aren't even in college yet drunk. So, anyway, point being, that was our introduction to it. It seemed kind of secretive. It seemed intriguing we learned that like it cost a fee to join to be a part of it and live there but they had like personal chefs and Mm -hmm. the um sorority i toured had like heated towel racks and heated bathroom floors and they had like a couple maids and it seemed very like 
clean and prim and proper and all the girls were kind of like blonde and bouncy and just like <laughs> seemed like they they knew knew the shiz oh also weird part that i saw and that they talked about was their study room which seemed all fine and dandy it was just some desks in a group but then they showed us and i can't remember if there was parents around or if this was something they openly talk about but they had file cabinets full of old tests where I've heard of they use too. old tests to study for year yeah. over year tests and like introduction classes or mm-hmm. any tests that they've taken and they have those on record in the sorority so that if you need a study tool or a cheater tool <laughs> well yeah because some of the tests don't change <laughs> exactly some and do, so that yeah. that was another weird part and i it's been so many years now, which is crazy to think. I forgot about that I mean, part. I've, I've been out of college too. for two years, so that was like six years ago. But mm-hmm. even still, it was like, what? You have tests, like keys, yeah. basically. So anyway, it was just kind of a little bit secretive. It seemed like the tactics were talking about like having a community and friends and ways to study. And they talked a lot about grades and like... The reason we all stay here is because you can't be in the sorority unless you have at least like mm-hmm. a 3.5 GPA. And if not, we can't. Is it really that high? It's pretty dang high. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was like a C average or well, something. No. And I think it's because they have they have allotted hours towards things. So Yeah. They do have a lot of requirements for like philanthropy yeah. time, study time. Some of them have gym time. Yep. Which I guess in a way is like a good thing, but it's still kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird because, I mean, my experience in college was different because we went and we lived in the dorms, which were a lot more general and like you could do what you want. So I could yeah. see there's positive and negative effects because like a lot of the people that I knew just like sat around and ate a whole bunch of takeout yeah, and like true. stayed in their own room and did nothing. I could see positives to like enforcing good habits, but... The, the thing I struggle with, and we'll get into this a lot more later, but with sororities, a lot of what you hear and a lot of the, like, hazing type stuff and kind of, like, it's kind of like that cattiness of just, like, living with a bunch of girls, I think, yeah. but there's a lot of, like, body shaming and just kind of feeling self-conscious about the way you look, and so Pressure. to add gym requirements into that <laughs> just feels like too much. Yeah, and and plus the word requirement, like, that already doesn't fly with me, like, that's not my personality. Oh, yeah. Like, it's hard enough to just go to college and do your own dang homework and, like, try to fit yeah. in in class and stuff, let alone also know that you have to keep a certain gpa so that your sisters Mm -hmm. let you live with them and like the threat that you could be kicked out of your own home because of your grades or that you didn't go to the gym Mm -hmm. seems like i i couldn't hang i'm way too (laughs) anti-establishment yeah no i do that and i didn't have a very clear obvious first introduction to sororities and fraternities i i guess like my first experience was just kind of like hearing about it from like movies and tv and stuff and kind of that the media introduction to it which is very stereotypical in a lot of ways so i i kind of heard about it through that but i when i went to school like went to college i went to community college first which i don't think they had sororities and fraternities i feel like i've heard that maybe they had one at one point or something i don't know Hmm. but anyway um and then i transferred and i never really considered it because i also was in a serious relationship and i wasn't gonna go live with a bunch of strangers and a lot of them like i i know 
there's different types, but like in a lot of them, you don't have your own room or your own space. Yeah. You have like what's called a sleeping porch where like yeah. 50 girls sleep in one big room Oof. together. And now living in the coronavirus days, we're like, they're all breathing the same air. Yeah. There's no way that would it's, fly. So that's interesting. And like you can't even have alarms because you can't disturb 50 other people. So like mm. you get woken up and yep. you have like kind of like rotating duties where like I, I hear that you would be on wake up duty where you'd have to basically stay up or get up at like whoever gets up early. So you have to get up before them to wake them up. Yeah. You have to like gently wake people up so you don't disturb the whole room and yeah just interesting things which in a sorority like it's one thing to have a bunch of girls living together but i would imagine like it's gonna let's be, be honest it's like bag. teenage boys and fraternity <laughs> it's gotta smell bad and be a big mess <laughs> like yeah i don't know yeah Hi. i mean i know myself between the ages of 18 and 22 like I was just trying to do my homework and live yeah. my life. I wasn't keeping my health or cleanliness in mind. I was yeah, just like, wasn't a priority. I'm existing and I'm doing my best and I'm not too worried about it type of thing. So Yeah. So I never really even had a good opportunity to consider going through that mm -hmm. lifestyle. And so, and Eric actually asked me this the other day, like, what was your first impression? Like, did you ever consider it? And I, I would say I didn't. But if I, for example, went to college with friends that I was close to and they were going to do it I probably would have hopped on the bandwagon and at least looked into it but I didn't even ever get that far so I can't even say for sure that I I really can't say that I even considered it yeah and, and I so. think one of the perks to it might be that um from what I've seen on social media and and I mean we went to University of Idaho so we saw people posting about their events in some ways but I know they have like formals and semi-formals and like it's like dance an extension parties. of high school <laughs> yeah and um one of the things that was a, a, a really big turnoff for me as well was that like you would get assigned a date to go to the dance to oh. and me and my husband were like uh or well I guess we were fiancés at the time we're like we're not really there to go meet people at yeah. parties we are wanting to hang out with each other all the time well and I've heard <laughs> a lot about like you so my understanding of Greek life is that you have your house and then you have like a brother or sister yeah. house yep. that you spend a lot of time with and it's kind of expected that like if you're hanging out with guys they're from your brother house but it's not like a sibling relationship it's like if you're dating someone there's a good chance that they're in that other like house and so yeah yeah it it would be very strange <laughs> and so basically in this episode we are going to talk about a lot of the kind of over-the-top situations yes. and cover some of the history. Um, Mackenzie's going to cover sororities a little bit more and kind of go in-depth with, like, timelines and histories and those sorts of things. Um, and I covered fraternities, which... <laughs> <laughs> Boys. <laughs> what is going what on? Is going on? <laughs> and so I got a lot of, like, juicy deets on that. But we wanted to add the caveat that... Um, some people did have like really positive experiences from yeah. joining these groups and we're not bashing anybody. If you had a good time, like even DM us and like email us and let us I'd know. I'd love to hear some really <laughs> awesome positive stories. Yeah. If you have some great outcomes from your experiences mm -hmm. in these groups, so be it. We'd love to hear about it. But today we're going to mainly talk <laughs> about some of the elusive or like secrets or yeah. the things you don't hear about the things that us normal people <laughs> loosely termed people not in greek life yeah. are curious about because of the 
the secrecy involved. And that was my first impression of uh, the sorority I toured was like, y'all are keeping secrets. This is shady. I'm out. Yeah. Where it very well could be like you all sit in a circle and sing Kumbaya and you want to keep it a secret and like have it be your thing and not Mm -hmm. my thing because I'm just a a plain Jane and you're a sorority girl. It's like a bonding thing. Yeah. So that's totally cool, but that's not what we're covering today. (laughs) Yeah. that You don't hear about that stuff because that's not, I guess, the most interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And, And I will say I've known people who... Um, cause I used to work in recruiting and a lot of people go into recruiting because they were involved in sorority recruiting well, in college. Well, and to identify, you're talking about human resources yes, recruiting sorry. for a company. I worked as a job, as a recruiter to hire people in open positions. Yes. And a lot of, and I helped hire recruiters or, and recruiting interns. And a lot of times the reason that they said they were interested in it was because they were involved in the recruitment process in Greek life at their university. Yeah. And so I knew a lot of people that either were actively in a sorority or were in college. And for the most part, I only heard good things. Like they all really enjoyed their experience and they were glad they did it. And I never heard anything specific about like hazing things or anything. I heard a lot about parties Mm -hmm. and like they clearly had their fair share of drinking. Yeah. (laughs) And... So, and and I know they had, like, the formals and the events and things, and so there was a lot of that, but, and I specifically reached out to one of my friends that I went to school with that was in a sorority, and she said that she didn't really know of anything crazy that happened, at least not in her sorority, and she had a really good experience and was glad she did it, but... You know, you also hear about people that, like, drop out after the first week because of the crazy things that happen. (laughs) And to be fair, another note for everybody, it's clear that we were not in the Greek life at all. But also, it extends to the point where we have never even set foot in a frat or sorority party before. (laughs) Which we probably could have weaseled our way into in college, but we never, it just, it just never happened. So just know... We have none of the perspective. Yeah. It's so outside looking in, like secret world type scenario that we're just trying to we're pick it guessing. apart. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I did want to go through some of the history of sororities and fraternities. Well, mainly sororities. Jet has more on fraternities. So for anyone who maybe not like may not be very familiar with the system, um, basically fraternities and sororities are part of what's called the Greek Letter Organization or the GLOs. Basically, it's social organizations at college. And so they're they're fairly formal, though. Like, a lot of times it includes living in their sorority house, and you'd go through this formal pledging process to be essentially accepted. Um, so these are prominent in the U.S., Canada, and the Philippines. And then they're a little bit less common, but still exist in other countries as well. And some countries, like Germany, for example, have other versions that have different names and likely different policies and organizations associated with them. Most commonly, membership happens during undergrad, university, or college experience, and then a lot of people do continue being members for life, and they're not considered an active member, they're an alumni member, but that means that they can still vote in decisions around their sorority and fraternity, which to me is insane. Like, (laughs) why are you still invested in this? But but I guess if it was four years of your very, like, influential years in your life, I can see why you want to be involved and have that, like, make decisions about that and how that affects other people going through that later on. I've seen that in movies and I've also, like, I feel like I've heard this in real life where someone says, 
my mom was a gamma phi, so I'm going to rush gamma phi mm-hmm. or something like that. Oh, where that's totally true. It's like a family lineage. Mm-hmm. Well, like, those are called legacies. Yeah. Yeah, which was something I was going to mention later. Yeah, if you – basically, if there's someone who their kids or their siblings or someone – rushes the same house they're considered a legacy and they actually do get priority it's like a weird like kind of nepotism thing where like creepy yeah you're not guaranteed like being admitted to it but it definitely helps Hmm. which is weird see i'm already gonna say it i'm already gonna say it (laughs) this is the part that kind of there's a vibe to sororities and fraternities to me that seems very privileged and (laughs) at a certain point i mean okay you could say lots of things about privilege if the person has already made it to college yeah and then paying extra to be a part of it and then becoming a part of it but there's something so i think i read a comment on one of the forums that i was researching on about fraternities and someone basically said fraternities are for privileged and gangs are for the poor Oh. And it's kind of this that's aff- interesting. Yeah, this affiliation of gathering together and having a label to mm-hmm. you and like a power in numbers and like with a a name to your group that adds power behind who you are. Hmm. That is very eerie to me yeah. in in both forms. Like one is like white collar crime versus not, you know what I mean? Not <laughs> well, not accusing very, anybody like, of anything. Blind but- following where it's like maybe i don't know you that well but i live and die by this yeah like agreement to be in this group and abide by the same rules and we're in it together Mm -hmm. and if you think of it as like let's say there's a gang member who was raised in it and became into adulthood and was one of the leaders in the gang and then retired from the gang and their son wants to join the gang or daughter or whatever Like, that's a big lineage and there's a Mm -hmm. lot to do with that and they would probably have priority too. And it's the same thing with uh, Greek life or just because you have – Instead of colors, maybe it's letters or what they're called and I don't know too much about Mm. Latin or how they pick the names. Yeah. In either either sense. So to me, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth where (laughs) I wonder at the core value of these organizations depending on what their startup reasons are i mean there's various explanations of that as well where what is the purpose of the affiliation besides Mm -hmm. power in numbers and like this false association with letters or color or (laughs) whatever that what they're doing makes makes sense and it's not just some arbitrary mansion of personal upliftment (laughs) yeah you could uh, like basically make that comparison with all kinds of things heck it could be about like sports teams or i mean any group really where it's like why do you have a reason to be in this group just because yeah and so i i think that there's a lot of it is like a social aspect and I, I'm sure for a lot of people going to college, especially if you don't know anyone, it's kind of a way of formally and, you know, for sure being able to meet people and have something in common and make those bonds. And so for some people, I think 
maybe they're more comfortable going through a process where they know they're going to make memories and it's going to be worthwhile and all this. And for some people, they probably think like, oh, this is going to be so much better than the dorms. It's going to be nicer. The meals are going to be better. Like I could see a lot of potential reasons for it. It just depends on the person probably. Yeah. And so, and I'll get into some of the like potential reasons why there's benefits to it. But that is a very interesting comparison for sure. Yeah. And just to touch on some of the history um, from fraternities or just groups like this in general, this has gone back as far as like ancient goddess and like gods and religions back in like the Greek days. So like way, way, way back. Sororities do not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just, I mean, this is just the concept though. So and also, over time, of course, was affiliated with religion and... Mm-hmm. Um, well, basically, the word fraternity means, like, a brotherhood yep. of fraternal, like, friendly, like, a group of guys, kind of. Like yeah, a, brotherhood. A yep. Yeah. And they come together on some sort of commonality, whether it's religion or um, education or common interest, Um over time there was also people who were involved in different trades or jobs who before unions joined together to oh. have some sort of secret society that protected their rights and they grouped together in power and you could imagine i mean even if you think of it in today's world let's say <laughs> in our unions my understanding of them is that they are created to protect the rights of the the blue collar worker to make sure that they're getting health care and the appropriate hours and that they're not being overworked and they're working just as necessary because they're working for the man and they got to protect themselves. And so in this case, some fraternities or groups similar to fraternities were created to protect those rights. So there's there's a wide range of, like you said before, reasons <laughs> and groups of people and why they got together but over the history of time, there are all sorts. And um, at colleges, it didn't even really become established that they were involved with universities or colleges in general until the 1770s. Hmm. But That's weird to think that college has been around that long. I know, for real. <laughs> um, but they didn't even get really formalized until the 1820s with like the pattern oh, okay. that we recognize as groups affiliated with greek lettering yeah. and like being affiliated with universities and that's the signifier that you join mm-hmm. the greek life okay interesting sororities isn't that far behind then i i thought maybe it would be more separate so sororities um were originally just called women's fraternities and some groups still refer to their sororities ad- as just fraternities hmm. and so they just know the difference So the first women's fraternity began in 1851, and that was Alpha Delta Pi. The first to be more of a sorority like what we would consider a sorority today was Pi Beta Phi, and that was in 1867. And so the term sorority was invented by a Latin professor who felt that the word fraternity was an inappropriate name for a group of ladies. (laughs) Makes sense because it's a brotherhood. Men. Yeah. (laughs) It is by definition a group of men or uh, yeah brotherhood is often what it's considered and so um she was the first to kind of say that it doesn't make sense to be called fraternities we are women we are a sorority and soro is latin for sister so it's basically the opposite it's a sisterhood and so the first to be called a sorority was gamma phi beta in 1874 so all this happened within like 10 20 years so actually faster than i thought um and long longer ago than i would have expected 
And so the development of women's fraternities was a really big accomplishment for women's rights and equality, especially considering it only trailed fraternities, like formal fraternities, about 30 years. Which, yeah. when you look at women's rights, we're usually way <laughs> yeah. further behind than that. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, the first ones I see is Kappa Alpha Society. That was founded in 1825. Um, Sigma Phi started in 1827 and delta phi started in hmm. 1827 okay so yeah not not too terribly far behind yep. so the idea was coming pretty close and so basically both sororities and fraternities are either social and or multicultural organizations and so those are kind of potential reasons so multicultural is more likely going to be a group of people that maybe have a similar background and have that in common and then social sororities i would say is probably more commonly what we know and maybe more common today yep um but both exist at over 650 college campuses and so and that's quite a bit and that my understanding is that's primarily in the u.s and so this all stems from the national panhellenic conference the npc which is an umbrella organization for 26 national and international sororities specifically so that was founded in 1902 and it's one of the oldest and largest women's membership organizations Hmm. Um, so it represents more than 4 million women at 655 college campuses and 4500 local alumni chapters in the u.s and canada Hmm. that's a lot of ladies yeah i don't know how i feel about that (laughs) yeah it's it's a lot it's it's a lot to think about and so basically looking at sororities and fraternities like the most common elements that kind of play into this they they are around for different organizations and purposes and whatever but the main elements are secrecy is like number one like it's basically well i think it technically is a secret society although the identification of members is is not typically a secret yeah single sex membership is usually next on the list of most common it's usually either men or women And then the selection of new members is through a vetting and probationary period. So it's a two-part process where you basically have to be accepted twice, which really sucks. (laughs) Uh, We'll get into that. (laughs) Um, And then the ownership and occupancy of the residential property is basically it's owned by the members and lived in by the members, whether past or present. And then it's a set of complex identification symbols, everything from Greek letters, memorial achievements, ciphers, badges, grips, hand Triangles, signs, passwords, squares, flowers, colors. Yeah. <laughs> so all kinds of potential either secret or not so secret things that kind of make you a member of this group. You kind of have the inside scoop uh, on what's going so on. It's so strange. Like outside looking in. Just someone in a sorority or fraternity could not imagine how our head spins with just like, what? But also, I can I can see why it would be like, like, you know how good it feels to be on the inside of an inside oh. joke? Especially when you're that yeah. age, like 18. Absolutely. This is like an extension of that where it's like this formal Plus, thing that you're proud of. Yeah. And you have these if we talk about brothers. What it looks like, especially at the University of Idaho, and I know it's <laughs> even different from WSU, there is a legit Greek row that's yeah. like at least I two blocks. I think the same. I, well, it's not i mean I, yes. I don't think it's a street i think it's like a couple, a couple neighborhoods kind yeah of nearby yeah wc is more spread out well and that was one of the definitions of like because residency is part of it a lot of times people live on 
campus. Well, not technically on campus, but in right the outside mansions. of campus yeah. as part of this Greek row or sometimes it's called fraternity row. And it's basically either a street or a really close residential area to the campus. And usually all of the sororities and fraternities are right up next to each other. Oh, yeah. So it's like party central. Oh, yeah. And on the weekends, it's loud. And people are like it's crazy going up and down the streets. Trash and everywhere. The thing about... The thing about where we live is we have a full-on winter. Yeah. And you'll see girls in mid-January when it's 10 degrees is the high for the day. And they're walking around in high heel sandals and little dresses. And it's like, no, I don't know if I talked about you this. You must be so cold. <laughs> I don't know if the it was on the podcast. The boy is not that cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the best day to be on Greek Row or near it <laughs> you to have witness about this on the <laughs> is the day after Halloween or rather <laughs> the morning after Halloween because you get to get, watch people uh, half costumed, half costumed, do their walks of shame back from yeah. Greek Row and it is hilarious. <laughs> so that's been a good time. But just at the University of Idaho, the way I would try to describe it is basically a couple blocks of huge mansions mm-hmm. like colonial style they have like columns and bricks and well, accents. You say mansions which to me when i hear mansion i think of like this beautiful pristine building they're not like that nice well a lot of them are from the outside they look, but then over the I course of the them. year they get a li- little bit uh decrepit yeah <laughs> and i think that there's a lot of them that are older and some that are newer and yeah, all too. that so there's definitely a range but like <laughs> it is a very formal regrow it's like you can tell their mansions that are lived in by a whole bunch of 18 to 20 year old people yeah. <laughs> so they are not maintained well i will say there is one that i swear still like we've lived in this general area for like five or six years and still sometimes when we drive by this greek house because we live we grew up in Coeur d'Alene which is only an hour and a half and so there were kids in high school they would come down and party at u of i with like their friends that had graduated or their older siblings or whatever and eric's older brother was one of them (laughs) and so he would always point out and every now and then he still will this house this greek house that he would say oh, that's the house that my brother would come and party at. And it was, like, notoriously, like, the party house of U of I. So, Hmm. uh, yeah. (laughs) There's all sorts of sayings, too. I think the one that I heard, so there's a sorority called Tri-Delta. And something I always heard freshman year, and I can nor confirm nor deny whether this is true, but (laughs) people said if – if you can't find a girlfriend, try Delta or maybe something oh, no. a little bit more raunchy than that. Like if you can't find a, someone to spend the night with, try Delta because they're Delta, Delta, Delta. Yeah, they they were kind of known. And I don't I, and I, I don't know how much some of this like crosses yeah. different universities or not. I feel like I've heard this isn't just a U of I thing, but I think some have a reputation yeah. for – whether or not they're more partiers or they're more like the straight A kind of people or and, and there are some like there's religious or yeah, I, I guess probably religious Greek houses. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of like Christian fraternities and stuff where it's like, Oh, my boyfriend's in a fraternity, but it's okay because it's a Christian, Christian fraternity. <laughs> they like do that. Bible study together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I've heard all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But like some of the common things is that with pretty much all greek life like there's usually some requirements around 
philanthropic activities. They usually have to participate in host parties. Um, some of them have what's considered like finishing training. So basically etiquette and dress and manners and like even networking opportunities for getting jobs and things like that. Yeah. So like, and some of that could probably add a lot of value to your life. Yep. So I think some of it's good, but some of it's maybe a little much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'll say when I started diving into fraternities, Mind you, a lot of the articles that I read about were from the 90s, but I... A lot of good things have happened since then. Yes. In society. Yes. Like, I'll be first to say. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Like, thank you, 2020, for being progressive in the few ways that you are. I appreciate it. It's helping. But the 90s. <laughs> and also, I have some inside scoop into, like, modern day. And I, I do think it's gotten better. But basically, I think everybody or anybody who is interested in joining a frat should probably watch the documentary oh, that no. I did. Because oh. I think even if you join a frat later on, you need to be aware of the fact that this is a chunk of your history and whether you want yeah. to act in those things or improve upon them. Anyway, there's a documentary called Frat House that was never published it's formally. It's rated R. Yes, R, 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 R. I have not watched it, but I have heard about yes. it from Jet. I watched the whole hour-long documentary and it's on YouTube for everybody to watch. It's like, it's called Frat House 1998 something. Um... And basically, it follows um, two two documentary guys who worked for a news company. I don't even know which one. And they don't disclose the name of the frat, so I don't know for sure. I think they say it at one point in it, but I, I don't remind, remember. And frankly, it doesn't really matter. It was back in the 90s. And they bas they sound like they have New Jersey accents, so it's East Coast. I don't really know. Yeah, or Boston or something. Yeah. And basically, they follow these guys around, and they follow some of their conversations, <laughs> and something called hazing, which we the haven't fact. formally introduced yet yeah. to the party, which hazing is, what would you call it, torture? Mm, manipulating <laughs> you into thinking, I, the way I would explain it is... Someone who most commonly is like in a club and is trying to get you to join it, but also basically someone's enforcing that they are better than you or they've earned something you haven't mm -hmm. and they're going through steps to make you do and say things that you wouldn't normally to get to their level. Yep. And that happens, like I've heard of that just in high school with like people haze the freshmen to make them go through the torture they went through. Yep. And I, I think it's even I more I want extreme. to play an audio clip from, and again, mind you, this is, this may be disturbing. But I also do want to address that this is something that they either claimed to be a part of their hazing or actually was a part of their hazing. Yeah, we can't say for sure. Um, but go ahead and listen to this audio. Oh, no. We have a couple of traditional things. Uh, we throw up on one another. We uh, get ice cold water thrown on us in fucking minus 80 degrees below. Uh, we eat pizza that's disgusting with x lax all over it. Uh, and the main thing, this is the one I like the best. Uh, you have to take a rat. You have to put it in your hand. And as it's squirming around in your hand, you just bite the head off and pull it off and all the blood squirts out. And that's a pretty traditional thing. And 
You gotta do that in order to pledge our fraternity. That's the way pledging goes. If you don't do that, you're a fucking pussy. So that's just a uh, taste. That's poor word choice. <laughs> of uh, some of the hazing things that they claim to do. Um, and in this documentary, like I said, it even had like a curse word in it, which we don't normally have on the podcast, but also it's, uh, it had to be said that's an actual clip from someone actually in a fraternity on him describing to the documentary folks what they do to people to allow them to be a part of their frat. Well, and that's just one example. And I've heard mixed things where like, Maybe they tell you stuff like that to scare you to see if you Would, care yeah. enough about this thing to go through something like that and be a part of it. And part of me thinks like, like, yeah, I get it. You want your people to be dedicated. But at the same time, do you really want people that are so <laughs> disturbing that they're willing yeah. to bite the head off of a live rat? No. Yeah, that that reeks of desperation to me. Yeah, and also maybe you're a sociopath. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if the audio wasn't super clear, basically he was saying we throw up on each other. Mm -hmm. We pour uh, super cold water on each other. When it's negative 80 degrees? That's what he said. I don't really think that's that's right. That's possible. (laughs) And then uh, what was the – oh, X-Lax on pizza, which if you didn't know, that's a laxative. And if he says it's all over pizza, it means they're eating – It's probably way more than Laxative pizza, yes, very not healthy. And uh, biting the head off a rat, like you mentioned. And it so, makes me want to throw up. And this documentary, guys, it's real. I watched the entire thing start to finish I could now. Not have after what you've told me. And a lot of it is real. And again, the documentary was filmed in 1998. I think there's been a lot of changes since then. But the reason why I would argue that if you choose to rush into a frat or be a part of one is that you see that part because that's what. All the other people in the world may know about your frat. And if you have that on your resume, that may be associated to you for all you know. And that's one thing that I I did want to touch on is that it's interesting because a lot, like, okay, you go to college to get a job at the end. You don't, okay, yeah, some people probably just go because they can, because it's fun, and because it delays them having to grow up for four more years. Sure. But most people go because they want to get a better job at the end of the four years and they want to make more money and all that. And so there's two sides to this, like, coin where maybe you didn't join a sorority or fraternity and maybe you don't have as many ins. Maybe you didn't get tests to cheat off of or study off of and all that. But, yeah, maybe you don't have as many networking opportunities at the end. For me, that was fine. For some people, maybe they want those opportunities. And both ways is okay. But there's also the part where maybe you did go through a sorority and a fraternity or, or a fraternity And whether or not you went through this experience, whether or not you were someone who, like, used tests to cheat and who did awful hazing rituals and forced people to drink and party and, like, all these terrible, basically torture things. Like, like that's the stereotype. (laughs) It is. I'm not saying anyone did that, but... You have Some to be aware that have. us outside folk a lot wonder. Of people, yeah, think of. And so, yeah, maybe the people that are hiring you were in a sorority and a fraternity and they don't think anything of it. They think you're a stand-up person. That's great. But maybe they don't really know and they think, like, I don't want some partier 
in my company. Yep. So you have to be aware of some of those associations that just having that on your resume can have. And so it it's hard. I can see pros and cons either way. Yep. But it those stereotypes are absolutely out there, yeah. especially for fraternities. Yep. And frankly, some of these things are still happening yeah. to this day, of course. I think they've cracked down a lot, but there's no way it's all gone. <laughs> yes. They're hidden behind a wall of secrecy that has this exclusivity to it that none of us can really be mm-hmm. sure. A lot of universities have actually banned fraternities at all or sororities at all or any Greek life because of Mm -hmm. the things that have happened. A story I did want to talk about was of um, a guy named Tim Piazza. He was 19 years old and he was a sophomore engineering student at Penn State University and he was a pledge of the Beta Theta Pi fraternity. Um, And on February 2nd of 2017... He was part of hazing activities or a party or whatever you want to call it, but uh, it had a formal name in the fraternity called the Gauntlet, hmm. and each pledge had to drink a bottle of vodka, a oh. beer, and a bag of wine. That is so much alcohol. And adding to that, at that time... He was probably a minor. Yes. Well, he's 19. Oh, and, he uh, he's a minor. Yep. Uh, he was also on antidepressants. Oh no! And what happened? And also something that's interesting is this fraternity was supposed to be a dry or alcohol-free <laughs> one since oh, no. 2009. Um, basically, what happened to him is after he completed the gauntlet, um, and unfortunately, that was mixed with his prescription medications. And not to say that all the vodka, beer, and yeah, bag that of was wine, not the only. Um, He fell down a flight of stairs and was knocked unconscious. Um, He then was carried to a couch where surveillance surveillance cameras captured um, a bruise that bloomed on on his left abdomen. And um, basically people checked on him to see if he would be all right. They tried to like shake him awake they picked him up and put him back on the couch multiple times because he was kind of rolling around, but he was mainly oh. unresponsive. At 3.30 a.m. on February 3rd, so the next super, super early morning, he tried to get up but fell backwards off the couch, and um, he just kept falling over and over again. And then once he got to the lobby, um he fell again, head first into iron railing, and landed on the stone floor oh. and giving him a serious head trauma. And basically what we can conclude from the night and morning is that he got up, fell, got up, fell, got up, fell, got up, fell, got up, fell. So many times after being drunk out of his mind and delusional from his prescription medication and the slew, the cocktail that he had spinning around in him, that um, he was not doing well. And his brothers or fraternity mates (laughs) basically were texting within themselves, basically saying, hey, what's happening to this guy? He's not doing well. They checked on him. Um... And they even carried him upstairs again 
and they debated on what their next step should be because at that point he was completely unconscious. Well, and I'm sure they were terrified to take him to the hospital because he was underage. Uh, yeah. Several hours actually passed before they decided to take him, even though he was cold. Ah. He was still breathing, but it was rapidly, and he was, like, oh, unresponsive. that seems... N- oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, like, when someone's going cold... You'd think you'd be worried that they would die, which actually they were because they were texting each other saying, uh, what should we do? I don't want to be tied to this. Like, delete <sighs> these messages because we don't want to get caught up in this. <sighs> la da 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 um, He was rushed into surgery later. So after all that. Two rushes that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Basically, um, eventually they called... The, the ambulance and they brought him to a hospital and they figured out um he has a ruptured spleen and he was in shock and his brain was swollen to the point that roughly half of his skull had to be removed to relieve the pressure um oh my gosh. they deemed his injuries to be unrecoverable and he was pronounced dead on february 4th 19 that happened. He was 19 years old. And basically, oh my gosh. a lot of the frat members, like, I think at one point it was, like, 12 or more people were caught up in, like, the hearing on whether they oh. were guilty of being involved in his, like, murder or death, I guess. Oh. And eventually, over time, and there was, like, messages and things that were deleted Mm -hmm. and because of the secrecy of the fraternity a lot of things got pushed under the rug and people were trying to protect each other and which when you're texting like that's that stuff can be found delete it from your phone or not oh yeah that exists still and they did they did and so (sighs) eventually they were basically just charged with the um obstruction of law and hindering apprehension. Mm. And that's basically it. That is so sad. And I... That's 2017, people. And this I've stuff is still happening. And I've heard stories, even at University of Idaho, where we went, of sorority girls falling out of windows. Yep. And I'm pretty sure I'm people dying. died. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, and you always, you can't help but think about, like, the parents that... Sent them off to college <laughs> to be uh, taken care of and to make memories and get a degree and have this wonderful future ahead of them. And then they get so drunk that they fall out a window or they fall down the steps and there's no adults there taking care of them. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I, I just, the pros don't seem to outweigh the cons yeah. most of the time. And then in 2018, his parents were able to pass a anti-hazing law, Mm -hmm. which basically said um, a felony would be required uh, if there was any bodily injury or death occurred by hazing. And (laughs) I guess to me, the part that is the gray area and the reason why I don't think that this helps when you think about the psychology behind these group things is like, I highly doubt anybody put the bottle of vodka to that kid's mouth. Well, yeah, they they told him that 
I'm sure you have to do you got to do this to, to be in be the part frat. Of this, and this is what everyone does. Yeah. And also there's this part of it where it's that I did this, so I'm going to make you do this. Even yep. though I hated it and I thought it was terrible, I did it, so you have to do it. And yep. I think that comes with all hazing is that I did it, so you did it. You don't get to get in easier than me because I worked hard to do it. Yep. And so on. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot to be said about the psychology behind the pressures of feeling like, is it really hate? So let's say we remove the word hazing from the scenario. Maybe it's not so formal as to where at a party they have something called the gauntlet that you have to do to be in the frat. Well, yeah, they don't call it hazing. Well, exactly. Within the frat. So if they said tonight at XYZ party we're doing the gauntlet because it sounds fun to get drunk out of our minds, how is that hazing? Like... There's so many gray areas to that that well, yeah, is frustrating. It's, not hazing, it's this grand tradition. Well, that exactly. Helps make you the man or woman that you're going to be a part of this, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, no one says, I'm hazing you right now. Yeah. And technically, hazing, I, it, I just double checked, it's illegal in 44 states yeah. in the US. As it should be. Which is but most, I think but... if there's secrecy involved in these clubs or fraternities mm-hmm. or sororities, how are we going to know that that stuff is going on or well, yeah, not? Or what it it's called? No like, one finds out about it until someone dies. Exactly. Until it goes too far and then someone has to talk yeah. about it. And but, then it's banned. But then, again, <laughs> there aren't really adults standing over your shoulder making yeah. sure you're not doing it. Because, yeah, there there are adults involved in sorority and fraternity Well, technically life. they're adult age, but these kids are That's obviously... That's a really good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> they're technically adults, which yep. is almost scarier. Yeah. So th- well, when you put between so the re- so people live on well not technically on campus they live in these sororities and fraternities and they live in these houses but with between 20 and sometimes over a hundred students in one basically mansion yeah. sized house and they're just doing whatever yeah so of course there's gonna be like awful terrible decisions made when you put 100 kids between the ages of 18 and 21 Mm -hmm. and they're all excited about life on their own and drinking and dating and drugs and whatever else like of course they're gonna make terrible decisions (laughs) of course they are and not to mention so there's a couple things that came up um we heard like i put out the feelers on our instagram page to get Mm -hmm. some like more insights if if our listeners had any or um, I also have some stories that I know of people I used to know back from high school who came up to my university later on. Um, and then through friends of friends of friends, we know um, someone who just recently was in a fraternity. Anyway, some of the stories that I've heard that <laughs> the initial... Okay, so like we said, when we joined University of Idaho, we knew about sororities and fraternities. I was turned off to the idea because it seemed secretive. It seemed a little mm-hmm. bit weird. seemed a little clicky. wasn't really my thing. But I didn't think too much of it. And then also, as you said, that you had seen a lot of it in media. Well, there's this kid who I went to high school with who eventually I just randomly bumped into him. And it was probably – we were probably late sophomores um, in college. And I was like, oh, how'd your freshman year go? I haven't seen you in forever. And he's like, oh – I rushed for a fraternity, and within my first couple weeks, they had me in a cloak. 
in a room full of candles and the cloaks were red and people were chanting and there were Bibles and it was creepy. And so I quit. <laughs> and this Which, kid. Which like a normal sane person would do. But for some people, they're so ready for it that yeah. they don't even think twice about it. I know. That. And how is that not a form of like psychological torture or I hazing? Think it should be considered one. If it isn't formally, it should be. Exactly. And a lot of the origins from what we've seen are religious or yeah. group based where they're trying to like get all on the same level and part of me feels like this is all psychology all they're trying to do is make you feel so weirded out by mm -hmm. yourself that you did the thing that you would keep it a secret yeah. to and but that's also the you bonded with them so you're <sighs> forever like it, you have this bond like this relationship with people because yeah. you all went through the same crazy crap that you put each other yeah. through and then you put other younger people through and it's ugh. It's yep. a mess. And then um, in that documentary, what I watched was this um, basically lineup of guys who are blindfolded, who are waiting to go enter a room. And every time the guy entered a room, you'd hear this blood curdling scream come Ooh. from the room. Yeah, like a horror house, like terrifying Ew. torture. And basically what they were telling each pledge was that if you enter that room, you are going to be branded with a coat hanger <gasps> with our uh, insignia or whatever you want to call oh. it. And I don't think they were actually doing it. But like I said, would it be considered hazing if they're not actually doing it, but they're standing but they're in line? they're psychologically torturing yeah. you because you think you're going to be tortured. Yeah. And one by one, each guy is going through the line. They're going in that room and they're screaming. And they didn't film in the room, so I don't yeah. know if they were actually getting branded or what, but they were saying they weren't actually branding people. Um, but, and that was in 1998. Well, recently, I have sources who <laughs> have informed me that similar psychological practices are continuing to happen. Mm -hmm. And basically what they said is that they were being convinced that they were going to be forced to have sex with a goat in a similar fashion that uh, they were blindfolded and they were standing outside of a room and they were told that you had to go oh, in the room gosh. and have sex with a goat. But again, they still went into the room. <laughs> they still went in the room. They still did. They were willing. And that is 2020, folks. Those are the, pe the people they want in their fraternity are the ones that are going to have sex with the goat. Yep. Why is that the best? Like, no. <laughs> so, okay. And then on top of all of this, I... I <sighs> I want to label this as all, like, this is a thing in the past. This was happening in 1998. That was, like, 22 years ago. It's not that big of a deal. Like, it, let bygones be bygones. It's over, People right? are learning. People are growing. People are adjusting. But this stuff is still mm -hmm. happening, whether it's just psychological or if it's actually happening. I mean, we know for... it's these bizarre traditions yeah. that they're still doing. Yeah. So I don't know why... This is still happening. But again, sources well, of sources of sources have informed me of the psych the psychology. Truly, I know folks who are just about to graduate in other places, in different states as us, who uh, are still psychologically tied to these groups, who are still suffering with the idea that they can't share stories because they're afraid of what the repercussions will be mm -hmm. if they talk about 
sororities or frats. Like we reached out to people and friends of friends and friends of friends could not elude anything mm-hmm. to us because they were worried about what that would do to mm-hmm. their friends who are still in frats yeah. or what that had to do with them if they wanted to stay, as you mentioned, a non-active alumni member. Yeah. Oh, that, I, he bejeebies me out. I know people or knew, have known people that 10 years out of college are still paying tons of money to their sororities and fraternities because they still want to be part of it yeah. and they still want to have a say in what goes down in those organizations and it's bizarre it feels like such a waste of money to me but (laughs) also i i had a manager who her and her husband were both involved in greek like life at university of idaho actually and they both would pay i don't know how much probably a lot of money to still be considered members of their sorority and fraternity and i know she told me she had a tattoo with her sorority flower and i think letters (laughs) but it was in a hidden spot because when you're in a sorority or a fraternity you can't be seen drinking with your letters on so it had to be hidden so that she could never be seen drinking with her letters or her flower from her sorority but they would still go down to the to u of i like an hour and a half away at least once a year if not more to go down for like sorority and fraternity events yeah and it's just insane because she was 10 years out of college and she still considered it such a big part of her life that is so and i just couldn't i've never been able to wrap my head around it to me, I guess the reason why, and I've always been pretty independent-minded and I would mm-hmm, never subscribe to those kind of odd ritualistic things. Even if it was like too many chants, I would be like, <laughs> this is strange. And I will mention in the documentary, they did go into a sorority <laughs> and they they seemed pretty cool. The like, sororities are so tame compared to the Oh, yeah, like tenfold. But basically they were just like, all singing songs in unison (laughs) with like candlelight which frankly would also kind of creep me out like i get it it's like you being at camp and we're literally sitting in candlelight jet that's true right now we are recording this podcast over (laughs) candlelight by candlelight and string lights (laughs) but it's cute when we do it it's cute when we do it but we're not singing in unison a chant that we've memorized i'm just saying in another in latin or something or greek (laughs) yeah exactly We're not drinking the blood of our enemies. (laughs) I mean, we are having wine, but anyway. (laughs) Uh, Point being, it seems like sororities are a lot more tame. And I don't think women play with stuff that is like just like outlandish and disgusting. Guys have like from what you've told me, guys do like weird and like sexual nasty things. Whereas girls, what I saw around hazing and rituals and rushing and pledging and all that it was a lot of, unfor- like, this is really unfortunate, but it is a lot of shaming and just kind of weird stuff around, like, body image where, unfortunately, because it's such a short period of time when you're rushing and then pledging. So, and, and to clarify, rushing is when you're basically going through a few events to meet people and then they vote to decide if you get to, if you get a bid which means they basically vote you in if you want to be. And then if you accept, then you're a pledge. And then you're on a probationary period where you're accepted, but they usually vote again to decide if you actually get in. If you (laughs) basically stand up to the tests beyond just the first acceptance. And so you go through that period. But a lot of what I saw was around like body shaming where – They want you to look a certain way and dress a certain way and act a certain way. And they want you to go to the gym and they don't want you to 
jiggle in any way you're not supposed to and they don't want you to dress too weird or whatever. I think I even heard a rumor about one of our sororities at U of I where they said, oh, they just let anybody in. Kind of like dissing on the sororities that Mm -hmm, that don't haze people, basically. Yeah, Yeah, because it's this very like elaborate recruitment process to get new members and then they have to do a bunch of stuff to even stay in. And this like recruitment period and new member period can last anywhere from like maybe a weekend to months where you Hmm. don't even know for sure if you're fully in in this sorority and you have to prove yourself and be on your best behavior but a lot of the things like I try to find information on hazing and granted I didn't look as long as I could have I probably could have found more <laughs> but it's a dark world i don't yeah, think you it's to probably go that far. i did it for you <laughs> yeah so i didn't see anything too terribly crazy but stuff where basically you are shamed if you were overweight or they wouldn't let in people that they considered to be like ugly and they were very picky about what you looked like and the, the shame really came around the way you looked yeah which is so sad but in a weird way it's better than being branded and told you might <laughs> oh, yeah. have to have sex with a goat yeah like, yes it's so much better than that but both are still so manipulative and so well i would argue torturous he, like here's ugh. what here's what the men are trying to achieve from what they're doing a lot of their sexuality and a lot of their authority is all interconnected and i think for them being frankly sexually abused and mentally and physically abused are all about power yeah but for women a lot of the time we gain status through beauty and totally (laughs) those sorts of standards so in a lot of ways even though men are like (laughs) punching each other puking on each other eating disgusting things Mm -hmm. they're still achieving the same psychological Mm -hmm. stress as a female would thinking that maybe they need to be bulimic or Mm -hmm. that they need to constantly exercise or be judged for what they're eating or what they look like because of what they're doing like that is a whole nother psychological Mm -hmm. authority mumbo jumbo that could be mentally damaging mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. We also got a message to our DMs um, of a girl who talked about her experience, and she basically gave us a firsthand account that the sorority that she was in, um, something weird happened where when they came down for one of their sorority events, she was dressed in an outfit that the sorority didn't approve of and they basically laughed at her and told her that she needed to change or her friend needed to change. Mm -hmm. And her friend went back to her room, changed, came back down, and without being told what was wrong with her outfit, they basically said it wasn't appropriate, she needed to change. Mm -hmm. And this happened three times and each time that the girl left the room, this whole sorority was basically laughing at her and gossiping about her and her body and all that. What she was wearing. It's so disgusting. Especially, like, at least tell the poor girl what you want her to change. Yeah. And so it sounds like those are the differences where it's all kumbaya with the girls Mm -hmm. until maybe you're not looking the way they think you should be. Or It's very, like, underhanded the way that they're, like, oh, we're so close. We're best friends. We love each other. Oh, my gosh. You look like an ugly slut. Yeah. Like, (laughs) fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Which... 
I mean, I, I don't know where you would put the value in because, like, you and I had serious relationships going on at that mm. point. So a lot of our value or our our achievement happened from those relationships and those successes or whatever happened with those. And I could see why there would be a yearning to have that sort of the adverse of that. So let's say you're just you have a big group of friends and maybe they're all pretty surface level, but it would feel pretty dang cool to feel accepted over time. Yeah. With a like whole you, bunch of really pretty mm-hmm. women that you feel like you fit in with. Like well, I can very if much it's enjoy that. It's that hard to get on the inside and yeah. to like feel accepted once you do. It must be a huge deal mm-hmm. and a huge point of pride for you. Mm-hmm. So I can see why especially if you're getting to that point, it'd be really hard to walk away. And heck, same with a fraternity. If you did all these ridiculous things it would feel like it was for nothing if you just walked away in the end because of one last weird thing that they asked you to do you kind of like work up to that point where it's like i've done all these other stuff i might as well do this last thing and then i'm in yep very much so so definitely a lot of psychology tied into that Mm i Again, wasn't for me. It seems like frats went pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like they still are in, in some ways. I mean, we heard of the elephant walk. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> Do I want to describe no. this? No. Maybe. Well, go for it. You know, how about this? Everybody just urban dictionary. Elephant no, walk. no photos, just yeah. to be safe. We didn't look at photos. We did not we look recommend at photos. you don't. I mean, I don't even know if photos exist because they're I so hope secretive. Not. But I'll tell you, this was re- this thought. I had never even heard of it until a literal frat boy told us about <laughs> something called the elephant walk, and I was like, huh? And I had no idea what it was. So I looked. I it was up. better off not knowing. Yep. And now you know stuff like that exists. It does, and it's spooky. Yeah. And I, <laughs> you could not, <laughs> like, imagine outside looking in, guys, if you are in a sorority or fraternity, I bet there are outliers or maybe even maybe there's a majority of I mean, they have sororities have some and idea, fraternities. Right? Yeah. Where they, everything is good. People do hold hands. People cry together. People talk. People oh, eat. Oh, there people must be some of the most grades. wholesome sororities and fraternities yeah. ever. We just don't hear about those. Yeah. And you have to imagine if there's secrecy involved, there's going to be speculation. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to fill in the gaps. <laughs> and we know some of these cases are true. And we know it's still happening. Well, yeah, you happening. don't come up with an elephant walk out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. like, there's just forums upon forums and chat rooms upon chat rooms about what y'all do <laughs> in the sororities and fraternities. And our brains are swirling. And it is scary, but it is also very interesting. But you cannot expect us to not wonder what is going on and why. So maybe me, one day me and Mackenzie will sneak into a frat party. and <laughs> We're <laughs> uh, getting real close to the end of that timeline where that could happen. <laughs> also, I was warned by a frat boy. Basically, he said, you're not going to get any good yeah. deeds at a frat They're party. They're best behavior, probably. Yeah, because that's not the hazing time. That's the party time that's very outward and all that. Yeah. So. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Very interesting. Safe to say we will never fully understand. (laughs) I personally am very okay with that. Yeah. So I've known enough people that have had a really great experience and they still talk about how wonderful those days were and how they miss it and they love it. And so I, I know people have had good experiences 
we just typically don't hear about those. Yeah. So either way, we are not experts. We are just fascinated. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to hear us again next week. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have information to add to this week's topic or a fascinating fact that you would like to share to be featured at the beginning of a future episode, you can email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com. We can't wait to blow your mind with more curiosities next week. You've just listened to another episode of Friends Fascinated. Thanks for listening.